now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2 and RFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp. Right, Scott, see so you back once again. Good to see you back. That's a bit of a week off. Week off, the yeah, dr- week. The dream team's back. <laughs> a week here, week there. Isn't it beautiful outside? The weather seems to be holding up for us. The plants are it still was. loving it. had a it. lovely weekend. Yes, and the plants are still loving it out there as well. What do you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd talk about some nuts. I've seen you've brought some props. We've got some props in, so that's good for uh, radio, but we'll talk about those. <laughs> a great deciduous tree for the small backyard and uh, little mini greenhouses if you want one in your garden. All right. That can't be too hard, can it? Well, it can't. it's a really good idea, reading about them. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. And we've got Chris from Laguna, and she wants advice on preparing sole to plant dwarf apple trees and also avocados. Good afternoon, Chris. How can we help you? Good afternoon. I, um, I've managed to murder five avocados so far, and I think it's been our terrible soil and the drought. This has been a bit of a combination. There's a sole survivor, so... I know that it probably needs another tree to pollinate properly. So I've bought a Fuerte avocado, which should cope with the cold weather that we get here in winter. Yes. And I've found there are some good patches of soil on our place. Um, found a decent patch of soil, but I just want to know how to prepare it. I sort of dug a hole, but I don't know whether to put chook poo, cow poo. What do I put in there to give it the best chance of survival? And the same for the dwarf apple trees. I've, I'm yet to murder apples. These are my first apples. Oh, well, that's, that's good news. You're giving apples a try. They, they really need quite a cold spot uh, to, to fruit properly. So give them a try and see how you go. I mean, they're a nice little plant anyway, if, even if you don't get them to fruit properly. Uh, but uh, We get yeah. frost here, so it sort of gets sub-zero in winter. It gets pretty nippy. Okay, well, that's exactly what you need to give that uh, the fruit on the apple, that sort of crisp, um, you, know, you know, crunch when you bite into them. Uh, because if you don't, they just get a bit flowery and they, they don't ripen properly. So it sounds like you might be able to uh, get the dwarf apples uh, growing quite well in Laguna. Now, as for your avocado, they're definitely not going to like frosts and cold weather. And I'm wondering if that... When, when did you put them in? So I put um, a couple in three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the place that I chose, I think, was... Probably the, we're on 100 acres, the worst piece of soil on the entire 100 acres. I think I whacked them in and I tried to shepherd them through the drought and they carked it. So I put another two in a couple of years ago and in, in better soil, but we didn't have any water here when the fires were around last year and we kind of needed the water in case the fires got to us. So uh, the plants unfortunately took a bit of a hit. So that's how I murdered the other ones. And one I just decapitated getting it out of the car and it never, <laughs> never survived. So I, I've researched one that would be cold tolerant and apparently a Fuerte avocado is reasonably cold tolerant for where we are. Yes. And I can't remember what type of avo my sole survivor is, but it's going gangbusters. Oh, and good. it's in an old horse yard. So the soil in there is pretty good. Yeah, so that, that's going to help it a lot. I, I reckon avocados, when you go to the garden centre, they run away and hide. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm the avocado killer. <laughs> They've probably got AVOs out against you. Not yeah. good, not good. Oh, boom, <laughs> not good. But anyway, it's, uh, I, I think in uh, you know trying to prepare your soil, like you said, you found a great place in the horse yard. Now, that's because there's been lots of organic 
material going in there. Uh, and have you got like access to any machinery? You've got a hundred acres. Can you dig a bigger hole by any chance? Is that something you can well, do? I've got a husband. I mean, who needs machinery <laughs> when you've got a husband? But yes, I, I can dig a sort of reasonably large hole. Okay, so I I would start doing that uh, because just breaking up the soil is a fantastic thing to do. And then for an avocado, I'd try and keep your your soil relatively neutral. So you want around that seven mark. So to do that, you would actually put in cow manure and poultry manure and dig that through uh, in the soil. Uh, If you wanted to as well, if you've got some peat moss, you could, you you know, mix that through as well. If you've got another, you know, compost area, you could also just, you know, add just general things in there to to try and make it a bit better, some blood and bone even, uh, sort of mix all that through. If you've got that machinery, um, you know, dig, dig, dig and, you know, sort of till it all around. Now... uh, after that, you have to wait a little while until the heat goes out of that manure. So that's usually about two to three weeks. Uh, and then you'll be able to just plant in there normally. Uh, what we've done by doing that is given the, the enough space and broken up some ground for the root system to spread out. It's not fighting as soon as the plant goes in the ground and wants to move out of the shape of the pot. So we're giving it a, a, you know, a bit of a, a fighting chance there, I guess, to, to uh, get itself up and running. Now... When you get to winter, though, that's going to be problematic for you, uh, especially with cold winds. Uh, it might be best to, uh, you know, put some sort of uh, barrier around it uh, uh-huh. to try and protect it from the uh, the southerly and from the westerly winds. So, you know, some sort of you know mesh mesh barrier around it. Now, yeah. the other thing you might want to do is, if you know you're going to get a frost. Uh, is to go and toss, you know, an old sheet or something over the plant, try and form some sort of teepee. Uh, you yeah. have, once the plant gets, uh, you know, larger and it becomes more established, uh, then the plant will look after itself. But as a young plant, you need to nurture it those first, you know, two, three, four years. And you can do that by, you know, just throwing an old sheet over there and trying to protect the plant uh, if you know you're going to get a frost. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to do with a frost as well, if you know one's on its way, uh, is that you could have a, a, a sprinkler set uh, to come up at uh, sunrise and actually once the, the water's moving around, then a frost won't settle. So you could have a, a sprinkler that you turn on uh, you know, for half an hour during that time just to uh, stop the, uh, the frost from actually settling on the plant or otherwise just toss the old sheet over the top of it and protect it that way. Okay. What, what sort of diameter hole are you talking to dig. Oh, look, I would be thinking, I'm sort of imagining a wine barrel or wider. Okay, yeah. Uh, And, you know, probably, uh, you know, I'd say not the depth of a full wine barrel, but greater than half a wine barrel, uh, you know, so that the root system can go down uh, as far as possible. uh, Look, avocados, they also need a fair bit of water. So if you've got uh, drought conditions, very hot conditions, uh, in summer, you're going to have to be out there watering them as well. I mean, just think about where they, you know, most naturally grow, uh, which is up around that Byron Bay, Ballina area <laughs> and further north. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're trying to create a little, you know, climate down here uh, in, in the cold and the drier heat to keep that plant alive. So I, I think that's going to be the best, uh, the best bet for you. A um, bit of, uh, you know, elbow grease, uh, dig that hole out, get some good... Uh, manures in there, some compost, uh, nice neutral pH, and then watering and protection for the plant until it gets a bit older. And the same manure mix for the apples would be okay? Yeah, look, I think so. Uh, I, I, just a nice neutral pH for your apples do, will do fine as well. Okay, beautiful. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, good luck with it. Don't hurt any more of them, please. No, no. If I, if I murder more avocados, I'll ring you and let you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll report you. Thank Thanks. You. Okay, bye. Bye, Chris. Bye-bye. Seems to do it quite easy. 
I knock, knock them off for taking me out of the car. Oh, no, that, that was an easy one. Uh, yeah. That'd be that's terrible, though, isn't it? As soon as you get out of the car and you're... Oh, no. Oh, no, knocked the head off it. Oh, it's not going to grow now. Oh. But hopefully that information might give some of them a bit of a chance up there. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on to when you are a fan. We've got Brian from Madawi, and he's got a question about bromeliads. Good afternoon, Brian. What's going on with your bromeliads? Oh, hey, Scott. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you, I've got one of those, uh, the ones that likes the sun. It's a good uh, metre high, and it's got a, a shoot or a, a pup, I think you call it, coming off the side, and it's got probably like 30 centimetres. Um, it's coming up but underneath the ground, uh, underneath the, like the surface. Will it uh, hurt the mother plant if I cut that off? Yeah, so you're probably going to need to, because with bromeliads, um, they're, a, they're a clumping plant, and over time, uh, the original plant dies off. Uh, so you're, in fact, I guess to keep your lineage going, you're going to have to uh, separate that little pup that's coming out and uh, replant it at some point in time. Oh, good. Yeah, I've got a few others, and all the others have always come up like above the soil. Uh, this is the first one that's been below, so... Yeah, I just wanted to check. Thanks. Yeah, that's all right. So what you do is get a, a pruning saw or, a, you know, an old sharp knife. That's a bit of a misnomer, though, isn't it? But And actually just try and nice and neatly slice that. You know, just try to tease it away with your hand and try and nice and neatly slice that away from the, uh, from the base of the plant. Uh, I mean, al- alternatively, you can just let it go and uh, let the plant uh, sort of clump out if you want to. Oh, well, I had heard, yeah, like you said, that it, uh, the mother plant will die, so if I cut that off it it'll it should stay longer sort of thing live longer yeah look it possibly will uh like agaves uh, you know bromeliads when they flower that sort of triggers them to to die off uh, you know bamboo do that as well uh and that triggers them to die off and then the pups uh, come out and uh the you know the clump continues but it's just that that original plant is, is no longer oh okay all right then thanks for that that'll be good okay good on you brian thanks for the call Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. We've got Jenny now from Anna Bay, and she's got a question about avocados. Hello, Jenny. How can we help you with the avocados? Um, hello, Scott. Um, um, we had a lot of rain a couple of weeks ago up here at Anna Bay, and since then the avocado tree and one in the neighbour's yard as well got really... Um, all the leaves went really limp, and now they're just brown and brittle leaves, and we just don't know whether they drowned or not in the... In the, in the flood. Yeah, look, look, precisely. I had exactly the same thing happen to me uh, mm-hmm. when I was living down around the junction and yep. the, the Pashabolka uh, yep. storm came through. Our, you know, just We flooded there. We had the, the, the drain going through the front of our yep. place sort of thing. Uh, and, yeah, uh, avocado tree next door, really nice plant, um, very, very well established it was, yep. a very big tree. Uh, and then, lo and behold, over the next three to four months, it, it did exactly the same thing. It just died. I, I think they just don't handle... Yeah, um, you know, sitting in in water for an extended period of time. Yeah, um, well, the, the water the water table's still fairly up, but um, it just sat there for a couple of weeks, and the water didn't recede as much as um, you would have wanted it to. So yeah, look, and and I think even though the water might have receded, it's not on the surface. As you said, the water table, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's very very high up. I I, I know, uh, you know. For instance, where I was living at the time, uh, we actually dug out a swimming pool by hand. And uh, as you uh, started to go down to about a metre, you know, the water was just oozing out of the yep. sand. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if you've got exactly the same situation up there at Anna Bay. So you don't think he'll, he'll come back? Well, look, the, 
The uh, thing you can do is uh, sort of prune the plant very lightly from the head and just see if there's still any green, uh, you know, in, in the sticks, in the branches yep, of the yep. plant. Um, if there are still, hang on and see what happens. But I'm just talking about my personal experience. Uh, yep. It sounds pretty similar to yours. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it, it wasn't good for the avocado. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for that. Yeah, so look, I'll do a watch and wait for the next few weeks uh, and just see mm-hmm. what happens. The other problem is we're about to go into winter as well. They don't like winter too much. So, uh, you know, it might have been uh, sort of given the, uh, the the double whammy, mm. uh, your poor old plant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Th- thanks for your advice. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Have a good yeah, afternoon. Bye. bye. And we've got Bob from Adawi, and he's got a question about compost. Good afternoon, Bob. Uh, how can we help you? Hey, hey, Scott. How are you? Yeah, yeah. good. That's good. I make my own compost. I just use lawn clippings and cardboard boxes. And twice a year, I put it on top of my raised garden bed, about five to six centimetres. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, I've sort of on the web, 50% of people say that you shouldn't plant seedlings or seeds straight into compost, and the other half say that it's fine. And I'm never really sure whether I should be doing that or not. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's a bad bad idea. Uh, you've been composting it for you know a fair bit of time. You said six months, didn't you, for each? Yep. Yeah. And how does how well does the cardboard break down? Yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay. Yep, okay. Don't. Look, the only thing I'd, I'd be probably concerned about is using all your lawn clippings. Uh, you know, it might be very high in nitrogen, so it depends on what you're planting in there. Uh, when you do do it, are you you know looking for flowering plants in there or just green leafy growth? Uh, vegetables and flowers. I've got flowers mixed in with my vegetable garden. Okay, and, and how are they going? Are they they doing all right for you? The flowers do fine. Some yeah. vegetables are pretty good, but sometimes the the sort of go a bit leafy and you don't get what you expect from them. Yeah, I think that might be because you're using, uh, you know, all the grass clippings in there. Um, look, okay. there, there, there are ways around that, uh, and, and that is just using some sulphate of potash uh, to try and promote uh, flowering in, in that area. Okay. So, you know, what you're doing is not bad as long as you're just prepared to, you know, sort of go the other way uh, because if, if you're using grass clippings, high in nitrogen, uh, it promotes green leafy growth. So if you're, you know, doing cabbages or you know lettuce and things like that you're going to do really really well uh, with those Uh, but once uh, you know you start wanting to put in tomatoes and other flowering plants you're going to have to compensate in some way so uh, look not a bad thing that you're doing Uh, I wouldn't be concerned about it Uh, you're composting it for for long enough Uh, there's no heat in it so yeah keep on doing it. Can I I just ask one more really quick question? Absolutely. I, I have raised garden beds and the level of the soil always sinks uh, intuitively, if I'm putting you know, five or six centimetres of compost on twice a year, you'd expect it to rise, but it's always going down. It's... Yeah, it's, it seems to be the, the, the way with the raised garden bed. Uh, but look, it happens with potting mix in pots as well. Uh, over time, okay. uh, the organic matter just starts to compress. It actually gets used up by the plant. It, uh, you know, over time, it just rots away and disappears. So that uh, uh, it just seems to be more so with raised garden beds. I'm not sure because I think the you know the moisture just runs down through them uh, quickly. So yeah, look, it is something you have to do. Just keep on topping it up. Uh, nothing bad you're doing. Uh, and what uh. it's, what it's also doing though is uh, promoting. 
uh, you, I, I guess, in a way, feeding the garden bed by putting that compost in there. You're not just leaving it be and uh, hoping that all's going to be well over two or three years because, look, the pots and raised garden beds, even just the soil in the garden, eventually runs out of, uh, you know, a little bit of steam. So, you know, things do need a feed. You know, some cow manure even in there as well, uh, just to, you know, bump it up and, and give it some oomph again. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Okay. Good on you. Thanks for the call, Bob. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. We've got Bev now from Toronto, and she's got rust on a frangipani. Good afternoon, Bev. That's a that's a problem at the moment. What's going on with yours? Um, well, not all leaves, but um, well, some of them are falling off. But there's uh, rust under the leaves. I just wondered what caused it and what I could do about it. Yeah, so it is, a, we call it a frangipani rust, just to keep it nice and simple. Uh, it is a fungal disease, uh, and it, uh, I guess, originated, uh, you know, further up the coast where it's more humid, but over time it has travelled down south, probably in the last decade or so, and it's yeah. really severely affecting frangipanis uh, here down in Newcastle and further south as well now. The, yeah. the great thing about it is that it does occur at this time of the year, uh, and earlier through sort of February, March is when it starts to take hold. But once you get to this time of year, the leaves are going to fall off the plant anyway. So once it gets to its worst, uh, mm-hmm. you're about to drop your leaves anyway with the plant. Now, when that happens, though, you have to be very careful and try and clean up those leaves from the soil, uh, you know, under the plant. And so rake those up, get them into the green waste bin mm-hmm. and uh, get rid of those. Uh, you can also drench the soil if you want to with a fungicide of some sort. There's copper sprays, there's mancozeb. Uh It won't get rid of it completely, but it does help. Uh, I would also spray the plant as well if there's any remaining leaves on there, making sure you're misting back up in underneath and getting that mm-hmm. contact. Uh, yeah. I know if, if the plant's big, very difficult, so sometimes it's easier mm-hmm. just to let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. and let the leaves drop off and then rake them up. The the, mm-hmm. the great thing is, though, it's not going to unduly affect the frangipani because it is about to lose its leaves. Uh, it's not yeah. as if it's stunting its growth overly, uh, you know, by that occurring at this time of year. So uh, one of those things down here in Newcastle, we're probably almost in the best spot. If you're up further up the coast where you get a longer season with frangipanis, then you would be stunting some of the growth. But down here... Uh, it all just happens in the natural, uh, you know, way of things. And uh, mm-hmm. so, look, a, a problem, but not the worst thing in the world. Good. The other question I've got, please, um, about feeding bananas and citrus. Uh, the bananas, I've had five bunches of, and um, uh, i got the gardeners to cut the one tree down that, um, you know, had a good um, bunch on it because it was leaning over. I think they only bear once, don't they? Yeah, so, and bananas are obviously a clumping plant, so you'll get new little pups coming up. Even if you've cut that one, you know, that whole plant off, you'll get some new shoots coming out. And uh, then, uh, you know, possibly next year or the year after, you'll get, uh, you know, another clump off off those new shoots. Yeah, right. Well, now, as far as feeding it, I know you put, um, was it, um, oh, the ash from wood fire plus... um, a cow manure? Yes, that's uh, it. that sounds well, perfect. Now, when do, you, when do you need to do that? All the time? When they've got fruit on or before they fruit? Or yeah, look, when? before they fruit. So a bad rule of thumb is just to, you know, feed them regularly throughout the year 
um, as we go into winter, probably you know not so necessary because all the you know the growth slows down anyway. So you can probably give it a break now, and then once we get to mm-hmm. August, then uh, start feeding mm-hmm. again. And you might do that, uh, you know, for three months. You know, once, twice, three times, and that would get you mm-hmm. back to winter again uh, when you can mm-hmm. have, have a break. Good. And the citrus. Uh, yeah. Now citrus, they love poultry manure. Uh, are they in the ground, Bev? Yeah. Yeah. So poultry manure is the thing to give to citrus. Uh, don't be shy with it. You can actually, you know, go and buy a bag of poultry manure. Uh, probably put about half a bag around the drip line of the the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, even mm-hmm. more if it's a bigger tree, uh, mm-hmm. and they'll really they'll really love that. And you can do that about three times a year as well with your citrus. All right, three times a year, but not. Oh, they've just got the oranges are just coming off now. That's the navel, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got the lemonade tree and a lemon. Uh, so, yeah, you wouldn't recommend doing it now? Well, not at the moment that, uh, you know, the, the fruit's about to come off. The time, yeah. also the other time to not feed citrus uh, is when they're flowering. You don't want to stress the plant out anymore. Now, as citrus, mm-hmm. you know, as you know that they flower at different times of the year, uh, you're just going yeah. to have to stagger that um, feeding um, with the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there might be a time when you can do them, you know, all at once, but other times when you see... You know, mm-hmm. ap- you know your orange coming into flower, or your lime, or your mandarin. Uh, you mm. you just refrain from feeding the plant then. Oh, great! That's a big help. Thank you very much. Okay, sounds like you already know what you're doing, though, Bev. I hope we've just confirmed it for you. Yes, we sorted it out. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Bev. <laughs> Have a nice afternoon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Regarding talkback on 2NURFM, if you've got a question for Scott Sharp, four nine two one six two one six, and we've got Peter from Merriweather. He's got a question about his lime trees. Afternoon, Peter. How can we help? Hello, hi, Scott. I've got a couple of um, dwarf uh, lime trees in the backyard of Merriweather, and um, one's in a pot, and the other one's in the garden. One in the pot gets the westerly sun, and the one in the garden gets eastern sun. What I've noticed ever since I've planted them is the, the leaves are curling up, and um, they're, they're basically not growing, the, the, the leaves will sort of fall off and um, then I, I spray it with some white oil. Um, they tend to sort of come back. But the other day I dug the one up in the pot because um, I dug around it quite deep and I found like a little grey grub in there because the stems of the lime trees have started to uh, just, just die. Okay, it sounds like the one in the pot, you might have some curl grub in there and they're the uh, pupa of a Christmas beetle. Um, in a confined space like that, they do quite a lot of damage. Uh, you know, you might have multiple um, of those grubs in there um, just chomping away at the root system of the plant. Uh, so when you've got a, a, a plant like that that needs uh, as much moisture as it can possibly get when it's in a pot, uh, obviously it's going to be severely restricted. So. Uh, you can either drench the soil with an insecticide using your watering can, uh, or some people just actually, you know, want to replant them. They'll take it out, discard the potty mix, and start again. Uh, but look, drenching seems to be a way to go. It's not a, a bad thing to do. Um, it just goes down through the soil uh, and, and kills any of those, uh, you know, grubs that are in there. Uh, as to you, generally, you're saying about the leaf curl, uh, not so much about the sunlight, although your one that's only getting eastern sun probably won't fruit as well because they do need uh, you know, to be out in the full sun, a citrus tree, to fruit and flower properly. 
but the uh, I would say that you've got some leaf curl in there. Citrus leaf miner is a, a pretty common problem. Uh, and now to keep that under control, you need to spray, you know, probably around the, whenever you see the plant getting some new growth. Uh, so that's generally around about, uh, you know, December, January and onwards uh, through to February and March. You have to spray with eco oil. You have to be yeah, pretty diligent yeah. about that. You have to spray uh, every week with that, I would suggest, just to try and keep it under control. You might still get some, you know, breaking through. You can just prune that off. Uh, but that should keep it under control. Once the leaves harden off and go a darker green, then you won't get that problem. It's only when you get that fresh new growth. The uh, citrus leaf miner loves getting in there and having a chomp away. Yeah, I've noticed that. It that, gets to the stage where you think that, uh, you know, how long do you keep spraying them for? Um, because this has been going on for about uh, 14 months now. Yeah, but it might be... It's... Generally, though, in that certain confined period um, you know, of the year when you're getting new growth on the plant, um, eco-oil's not a bad thing to be spraying around. It's, uh, it's a natural tea tree-based oil, so it's not you know, necessarily harming other insects or bees. It's just forming a protective coating that when the moth lays its, uh, its eggs, that they don't like to burrow through it and uh, you know, get into the underside, into that uh, uh, membrane of the leaf and, and do the damage that, that, that it does. Okay, so I'll, I'll, repot, I'll repot the uh, one in the pot because as I dug it down, I think I, I pulled about 15 of those grubs out. Yeah, so I, I'd, I'd probably pull that out, shake all the soil away, get rid of the soil, uh, yep. and uh, you can just put it out in the lawn or you know somewhere else and the magpies will come and eat the grubs for you. Um, yep. they'll, they'll have a go at that. But, uh, yeah, then just repot it, uh, make sure you're watering it well. Okay, good on you. Okay. I'll give it a go. Thanks, Thanks for the call, mate. Peter. Appreciate it. So we've got Peter from Barnsley, and he's got a question about his roses. Good afternoon, Peter. What's happening with your roses? Mate, um, it's to do with my mates up at... My friends up at West Falls Inn. Yes. And there is the Great Scott rose there. Yes. And um, I just went to feed them. Yeah, so... Roses you can feed, uh, you know, probably two to three times a year. Now's probably not the time to feed them because right we're on. getting towards that point where you're going to be wanting to prune them. They're starting to, uh, you know, it's getting colder. They're going to start to become dormant. Um, so what you do now is wait. Uh, wait until you, we get to July, August when uh, it's time right for pruning. That's oh, generally, okay. that's gen- generally the, the coldest time. And then you prune them. Um, you know, we'll talk about that more as we get closer to time. Yes. Uh, you give them some uh, poultry manure, usually about uh, a third to half of a bucket. So if you've got a bag of poultry manure, you'll get about three roses from that bag of poultry manure all around the drip line of the plant. I move it back away from the stem. They love that. And yes. then in a couple of weeks after that, uh, you give them some of that pelletized rose food, and that's a really great thing. Rose food, runner. Yeah, so that that's something you do about two weeks after the pruning. I now, will tell Sue that. <laughs> now, for the the other time you might want to feed is in February. You can give a very light prune of your roses then. Yes. And then you would give a, a feed. You could use poultry manure if you wanted to. There's a fantastic product called Sudden Impact. I'm always talking about it uh, yes. because you can use it for your citrus plants as well. They, you know, roses and citrus love the same sort of uh, thing. And I have the, been up there for 
uh, my autumn prune mm, okay. and quechin su. Yep. Um, about that. Um, when she deadheads, she doesn't go down a couple of uh, buds. She's just sort of cutting the the dead rose off. Right, and, okay. And that part of it is actually dying back. Yeah, so that, that will happen with roses and, and quite a lot of plants. Uh, you need to, when you're deadheading or doing any pruning with a rose, to just go above... Uh, the bud burst, you know, where the next bud is. So if you imagine you've got, you know, the stem of the rose and you've got a bud, yeah. uh, you know, then there's a gap of probably, ooh, I don't know, three centimetres, four centimetres, and then you'll have yeah. another bud. If you were to prune just underneath that top bud, then that whole three to four centimetres will just die back. So yes. it's important that you, when you're pruning or deadheading, that you do it at an angle and just a little bit above, uh, you know, those bud bursts. And then you won't get die back. You'll get a nice new shoot coming out of there. Uh, I did suggest to her that she was, like, she was just cutting the the rose straight off the top. Yeah. And, and then and it was dying back. Yeah, look, it, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but you might as well just do it properly and just do it that little bit further and just make sure just that you, yeah, you do the prune in the right in the right part if you're going to cut the flower off. And that's just above the, the bud burst and at an angle. Well, she has now gone blonde, so <laughs> you're talking to a blonde. <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, but well, hopefully she's having a listen as well and she'll, um, she'll know when she's out <laughs> pruning the roses that all will be well. <laughs> so no feeding till later on yeah look i'd wait now till july uh august and then again in uh february okay mate okay good on you thanks for the call peter thanks scott okay cheers bye-bye thank you very much peter guarding talk back on to when you are at fm now scott before we wrap it up you mentioned nuts nuts at the top of the hour and yep. you've also brought little nut props or well, actually peanuts peanuts i know I, I did make the mistake of eating one of those peanuts earlier on and i was a little bit talk. almost lost your voice but hardly talk but we we got through that are your peanuts they're not technically nuts though yes i know they're actually legumes mm. yes they're actually more closely related to peas Oh, really? Yes, yeah. Well, there you go. All the shells, isn't it? Yeah, and now the thing about the peanut is that it's the only nut that's, uh, gr- that grows in under the ground. Every other nut that we eat grows up on a tree. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, look, they're very easy to grow. The only thing you need, though, is a fair bit of warmth, and I think that's why they used to grow, or well, they still probably do grow them up around Kingaroy. Remember our fantastic premier of Queensland, Joe Bjocchi-Peterson? Oh, uh, yep, yep. Yeah, he yep. was a peanut don't farmer. You, don't you tell me what sort of... <laughs> He was a peanut farmer, and that's they grow up there, but you can grow them down here in Newcastle. Uh, you need about 120 days of, uh, you know, sort of nice warm weather. I reckon that's about four months. Yeah, four months. Four months, yeah. So if you've got, yeah, you got them in at the end of August, uh, you'll certainly get a good peanut crop, uh, you know, by the time we get to March or, or April. So a, a really easy plant to, talk, uh, to, to grow down here in Newcastle. You can have them in pots as well if you want to. Um, in deep pots, though, wouldn't they? Or well, they don't grow that that far below the ground. I, I have tried them. I have grown them, and yep. it just sort of bends over, and then a little bit under the surface, uh, it starts to grow. But you need a bit of space, I guess. So you'd need something, uh, you know, fairly, you know, wide, like a, a wide half so line spread out. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. All right, Scott Sharp. Thank you very much, and enjoy the nuts. Okay, and we'll talk. We can talk about it a bit more next week if we want to. Excellent, of course. I don't think we can always talk about peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Sharp, guarding tour back. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you again next week. Yeah.
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.